Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. Well, welcome back to the Pod Lab, Catherine. Here we are, Mm -hmm. episode 136. Yeah. Can you believe it? (laughs) Well, yes and no. Yeah. It seems like it's gone fast, though. Like, I know we started this a while back, but... It does feel like it's going by fast. If you're brand new and you've just stumbled upon us, welcome aboard. We're just a couple of besties that pick a topic for every week that we think you'll care about. We hope you care about it. We care. <laughs> We're doing it anyway. <laughs> we are, whether you like it or not. We're uh, So we do this and we started this during the pandemic and it's just kept going and hopefully it'll keep going forever. Mm. Well, I don't know. Forever's a long time. Uh, we have sponsors of the podcast. Uh, tell our friends, Catherine, about our sponsors. We have some wonderful sponsors that contribute $5 a month. That's right. Yes. And they don't even have to do anything just one time and click on the website or the email that they get. It's super simple. And then it just is automatically deducted every month. There's a couple of them that gave one month sum. And that just helps us to move forward. It absolutely does. So we mm-hmm. thank you to all of our sponsors. We have about 14 sponsors right now. Mm-hmm. So we thank you all for your contribution. You have now become humor contributors. Right. You've crossed over from consumer to contributor. Mm-hmm. So we appreciate that. And if you love to listen to this podcast, but you're not contributing, <laughs> shame on you. Here it you. comes. <laughs> Here it comes. We ask you to prayerfully consider... Uh, supporting the podcast because Catherine and I do have some big dreams and goals. We were just talking about whether or not we're going to go to PodFest, which is a podcasting conference coming up in January of 2024. And it's in Orlando, Florida. Right. And we are in the Chicago area. So there are some costs related to going to the podcast in terms of travel and hotel and the cost of the conference. And so your contributions can help us to get better at this. Yeah. Yeah. Or even if you don't pray on it, you just go by instinct. Do that. Yeah, do if it. You, if your gut <laughs> says, I'm going to do it. These two, they inspire me. <laughs> right. Here's how I look at it. Don't pray because then God might say no. No, he's not going to say no. He's going to say yes, definitely. Yeah. The way I look at it with um, content support yeah. is if you enjoy the content and you would be sad if it went away, support it. Yeah. Support it. Right. So. All right. Well, today's topic, friends, is Mercury 13. And maybe you've heard of it and maybe you haven't. I got to be honest, when I first heard the title, I immediately thought of those little mercury thermometers, you know, yeah, right. from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wasn't sure if somebody like had poisoning or something, you know. Did, yeah. But huh. that's not it at all. So Mercury 13 is the the topic and it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about um, what it is, what it's all about. And it's about women. So we're going to go into their story and how they've impacted the world, really. Yeah. And we always have a takeaway um, in terms of a call to action. So at the end of the podcast, we're going to encourage you to be inspired and to to do something about what you're about to listen to. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So pull your big pants up and buckle in buckaroos here we go um and of course we always have an inspirational close so stay tuned for that mm-hmm. all right Catherine. if you are a martian you just arrived on earth and you know you've got to explain what is mercury 13 what would you hear a group of women that but they were pilots that passed a battery of tests that was put on by the lovelace clinic and we'll get into that uh, further on down the line 
that was not at all a part of NASA. And they passed these battery of tests to become astronauts. And they, they called themselves the Mercury 13, I think based on the fact that the the men were the Mercury 7. Okay. And, yes. But they were also called FLAT, which was First Lady Astronaut Trainees. Okay. Yeah. So they were known as that as Didn't well. Didn't have anything to do with their... their right. <laughs> <laughs> I now, don't know. Okay. Now, this was in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. All right. So right. these women were sort of pioneers, if you want to yeah. call it that, because there weren't that many women that were flying planes back then in the 60s. Yeah. Well, there were a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Um, internationally, there mm-hmm. were, I, I couldn't believe it, actually. There were a lot. But these aggressive women, I guess you could say, they were the best of the best. They broke records that men didn't even break. They were doing the, some of them were doing these for jobs and things like that, so... Yeah, not your conventional coming coming out of the 1950s with the pearls and the heels and the little skirts and stuff and right. you know, beaver cleaver. You know. Although it's funny because they were flying these planes, um, not all the time, but I think later on, I think it was after this program, and they would have to fly in their dresses with their pearl looking necklaces. I don't know if they were real. But, yeah, in heels. Yeah. It was crazy. I think they did that for the cameras, you know, for the publicity. Because I think the men probably wanted them to do that. I, you know, I'm sure that they did. Mm-hmm. And the women went along to get along, whether or not they enjoyed wearing all that garb while mm-hmm. they're piloting a plane, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they were like, oh, this is great. I, I always wear heels <laughs> when I'm flying a plane. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's just interesting to me as a woman myself that um, we're kind of pigeonholed many times. Yeah, I mean a lot of people are. Yeah, whether men or women, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so a group of women, thirteen women, obviously, mm-hmm. who have been selected to be given this battery of tests to find out how would they stack up against the men if they were to become astronauts. Right. And so the the backstory on that is that there was this program by Lovelace, Dr. Lovelace, and he was a aerospace medicine guy, mm-hmm. and he was the director of this uh, particular program that would test the astronauts to be in the race to beat Russia up into space. Mm-hmm. And so these tests were just basically tests. They didn't know what to expect in space exactly. So they had crazy physical, psychological tests and, and things such as that. So there were um, seven men that passed it. And then uh, Lovelace, he attends this this conference in Russia and he learns that Russia is planning on putting a woman into space. And so he thinks about that. So then he gets his good friend, Jackie Cochran. Mm-hmm. And she is a outstanding pilot. Uh, she flew jets. Now, this was one of the requirements that one would have to have to uh, be an astronaut. Mm-hmm. She flew jets. She broke speed and distance records. She funded the testing that Lovelace, you know, then started on um, testing these women. Uh, and she even paid for the expenses of this third phase of tests that these women were going to have to go through. And she headed up uh, back in the World War II, the WASP, which was um, Women Air Force Service pilots okay I think that's what it was called um and she broke a sound barrier 
So she had all these accolades. So she she helped funded this. I think she's older than these. Actually, I know she is. Yeah. Than these women too. So then uh, also somewhere around that same time, this Lovelace, he meets uh, this Jamie, not Jamie, Jerry Cobb. Mm -hmm. Now, Jerry Cobb was a very accomplished pilot as well. And he meets her at an Air Force conference or get-together. So that was good fortune for, for both of them. And he, she's the first person that he recruits into these tests. And she right away says yes. So then he asks Jackie to, to get these other women. So I think there are 25 women that were selected to take these tests. And thousands had applied, which w- amazed me. Because, again, you wouldn't think there would be that many women pilots, but... There were more than I thought. Yeah. And notable that I know you already said it, that NASA did not um, Mm -hmm. sponsor this testing. No, they They, didn't even know about it. So it was not sanctioned by the United States government. It was strictly the curiosity of these two individuals who wanted to know, Dr. Lovelace and the woman, what was her name again? Jackie... um Jackie Cochran. Okay, so so Dr. Lovelace and Jackie Cochran just had this curiosity. Mm -hmm. Like, we wonder, would the women test as well as the men and by test i mean like Catherine said there there were all kinds of weird wonky physical tests that they had to do and mental ability tests and things like that mm-hmm. and there was one test where they had to squirt something in their ear yes that was like really cold, cold. Mm-hmm. and they had to get their reaction to it because you do have to stay calm under pressure obviously if you're an astronaut mm-hmm. you know like when they say houston we have a problem mm-hmm. they weren't like ah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a mess. You can't be a raving lunatic. Uh, That's why I could never be an astronaut. <laughs> but what I found very interesting about the results of these tests uh-huh. is that the women fared better than the men. Yes, they did. Well, in many of the categories, they did. They didn't complain like the men did. Yeah, hello. The men got restless. Um, and then uh, there were several men that were interviewed in two different things that I had watched. And they had said that they believed that women could tolerate pain much more than men can anyway. And it proved to be true. And when I was thinking about this, now this wasn't pointed out in the documentaries, but I'm like, only seven men passed, but 13 women did? Well, that just might be a matter of they needed seven to do the mission that they were preparing for. Yeah, I thought about that too, but still. Okay, the the thing that I thought of when I learned that the women fared so well in the testing and actually did better than the men Mm -hmm. in many cases, I thought about our our little podcast that we did on the Donner Party. I did too. Yes. I thought about that too, how the women survived. Right. And yeah, and the men went nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they lost it mentally. They lost it emotionally. They died. Yeah, they gave up. Physically, they lost. And the women, and it was said that the women had that extra grit because they knew if they died, their babies were going to die. Yeah. And that was the thing that this one woman, like she was hovered over her baby, like just trying to keep her baby warm and keep the baby alive. And, you know. Well, they also, in that study with the, um, with the Donner women, it was also, some of them survived that didn't even have kids left. And so they don't know. And it wasn't anything to do with women's fat because that was one thing that they tried to to say, but that was dispelled as well. Yeah. So if you're looking for another fun listen, go back into the archives of our our podcast here and find the Donner Party uh, podcast. 
Yeah. All right. So so they did these tests and they found out that the women, you know, they could hold their own. They could they could do their thing. That's right. So then what happened? And they proved themselves. So then they go on. Now, in between this, I think Russia has already taken off and shocked the world with that. And so the race is on even more now. And then I think a month later, then um, Alan Shepard went up into space for the United States, but it was a sub orbit and he was only up there 15 minutes. It basically was not near as phenomenal as, as Russia. So meanwhile, the women are saying, use us. We, we could do this. We, we could be. Why aren't we up there, too? And they were real advocates to get up there in space. So they move on to the second phase of this testing. And it was this time it was psychological. First time physical, second time psychological. They're in these weird water bath things. Mm -hmm. And this is another test where the men just felt like their skin was crawling and they couldn't stand it, where the women lasted in there for hours. And that uh, Jerry Cobb, she broke a record of like nine and a half hours just laying there. Yeah, and she water. said it was like she fell asleep and yeah. she's like calm and, and a relaxed. Right, a couple of the women, their explanation was my schedule and the, 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 and <laughs> everything was so rigorous before this that they were glad to just lay there. That's yeah. how they looked at it. I liked the comment of the one who had like, did she have eight kids? Yeah, I was going to get to that. Right, yeah. Well, and some news reporter said well how can you manage eight kids and be an astronaut and she said well i would like to get away from them sometimes or something like that she said if you had eight kids you'd want to go to the moon too yeah something like that that right. can relate to that one yeah <laughs> all right what else to go to, to dubai uh what else well then the third phase was all set up. Jackie Cochran, she funded it. She even paid for the expenses for these women to get down to Pensacola, Florida. That was going to be the, the third phase. And that one was where they got to test pilot the jets. And that was one of the requirements. They had crazy requirements. I can't even remember all of them, but it was impossible for women to do it because uh, to become astronauts because of these requirements. And one of them was to be test pilot for for jets right because okay. they didn't allow women to right. test pilot the jets you, and you had to be military mm -hmm. and they but they wouldn't allow women to be in the military so there was no way okay well they get this opportunity um pensacola the aircraft people down there said yeah bring them nasa got wind of it and they shut it down so lovelace had to write a letter to um cobb she then tells everybody else this is not going to happen and they were sorely disappointed. I'm sure. Right. But uh, Cobb just kept fighting for the right uh, to be able to serve in the same way that the men were in the same opportunities and that they had the same qualifications. Mm -hmm. I think one of the qualifications was you had to be an engineer. Well, Cobb was an engineer. A couple of them were. She made some really good arguments, which I got to look that up in a second. Then Lyndon B. Johnson he then said that not only did he write this letter that this has got to be shut down, he was in agreement mm -hmm. when NASA said this is going to be shut down, but he hand wrote on the letter, this must stop now yeah. with his own handwriting and then signed it. And so it was a real slap in the face. You know what's aggravating about that is there really, there's no reason other than they didn't want these women to excel. They didn't. Men were complaining that their jobs were being taken. You know, there's some in, uh, what's the word I want to say? Innuendos. 
that um, not only were they taking their jobs, but that they were better than them in some cases. That's what's aggravating is because, all right, it would be one thing if the testing showed that the women were far inferior to these men. Yes. You know, I mean, you cannot deny that a physical man is different. Yeah, right, right. right. So it would be different if it took a certain amount of strength or a certain height or a certain anything. Yeah. But because it didn't, Mm -hmm. and because the women tested better than the men in so many cases, and they proved themselves scientifically, not just in theory, Right. I'm getting I'm getting I'm getting excited. I know, I know, right. <laughs> but that's what's aggravating about these these things that hold women back or hold anybody back. Mm-hmm. Why not just look for the best qualified individuals, yep. whether men or women. Mm-hmm. Look for the best qualified individuals. Put them all through the rigor. Put them all through the test. Let them compete against one another equally. Put them on equal footing. And the best man or woman wins. Right. And that was part of the argument that, that they had. Yeah. Let the best human go up in space. Right. The best humans. Doesn't have to be man or woman. That's what uh, Cobb said. Also, I want to point out that in the war effort... 38 women that were serving now they were serving in the military so that's another thing because that was a requirement Mm -hmm. but they weren't really recognized they were recognized but they weren't well they they weren't fighter pilots like these guys pilots but they were flying those airplanes from the they were ferrying them they were delivering the airplanes to the battlefield right exactly and 38 women pilots died by accidents and years later it was revealed that some had been sabotaged and they're not quite sure uh who okay all right so mm-hmm. now let's not just skip over that because that's pretty massive yeah these women were sabotaged their planes were sabotaged mm-hmm. that means they were murdered yeah they were intentionally killed mm-hmm. because why because of egos yeah Right. I think that is such, it it, it holds back society and it holds back our culture when we go to those depths of, I hate you so much, Mm. I'm just going to wipe you off this earth because I can't stand for you to be better than me. Yeah. Horrible. Right. That's not the last we see of the egos because, and we'll get to that. Uh, Wait. There's some betrayal coming up. Wait. Mm. One more thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I'm still on my rampage. You and I talked about this yesterday just a little bit in regards to, okay, well, no wonder the women did well with those, you know, like just gutting it out mm-hmm. and holding on until it was over with the testing. We're, we have the babies. Right. We have the babies. Mm-hmm. We know how to breathe and hold on. And, you know, you feel like your whole body's turning inside out when you're having a baby. Yeah. And you're you going to say, I quit? Right. No chance. <laughs> you're not going to quit. <laughs> that baby's coming whether you want it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry. No, this no. so aggravating. I know. Well, now after it's shut down, like I said, um, Cobb and Hart, they give their arguments up in Washington and they happen to be able to get this hearing because Janie Hart, her husband was a senator or something like that. So they were able to, to be heard. She opens up the statement with um, the story about 100 years prior to this ago, women weren't even allowed to serve in the medic field in in war because they were considered 
frail and emotional structure that would never withstand the horrors of bandaging somebody up. Mm. Then they later changed it to, well, now, <laughs> you you can if you're middle-aged and ugly. <laughs> because, and they even said this, it's documented, ugly women have more, uh, probably have more strength in character. Uh, you know, yeah, it's character. It just I had to make sure that was right, and it is blows my mind. I know. If you're middle aged and ugly, ugly. And then, then you come on over here. And then, can you imagine selecting your ugly? You're you're borderline. <laughs> you could be cute, but no, you're ugly. Oh yeah, you've got that you know that tooth sticking out. <laughs> I think you're ugly. Oh, so much for beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <sighs> Yeah. You know, I want to yeah. know who who's in the meeting, right? What are we going to do about this? These women, they, you know, how are we going to get them to, to shut up? I know what we should do. Let's tell them they can do it only if they're ugly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> then let's see who wants to sign up. <laughs> yeah. Ugly oh. women can handle gore better because they're closer to it. They're just ugly. To, they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's a horror." Gee, I think I should be able to look at a bandage, you know, oh. an open wound because I'm so ugly. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, just that somebody would even think of that. I know. And now, a hundred years later, and Lyndon B. Johnson, the president of the United States, says, "Yeah, women can't go up into space because they have their periods." <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the daughter of uh jamie hart is it jamie no janie hart mm -hmm. uh the one that was arguing in washington her grown daughter in this interview in the documentary she says you know i wish they had or no i'm sorry it was it was um lovelace's daughter and she said i wish that it had said on the tampon boxes women have periods but they can fly too <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, mercy. Yeah. So really insulting things were said. Uh, one of the astronauts was asked the question, do you think that women, and it wasn't John Glenn, because he made some real chauvinistic remarks, and, and people really valued his opinion. So he was one of them that caused it to shut down, they say. But uh, another astronaut, when he was asked the opinion, do you think that women should go up in space? And he's like, well... Well, yeah, we could have used the women in the second run instead of the chimpanzee. Yeah, and then everybody laughed at that yeah, like it was funny. I know, and I couldn't tell if he meant it to be funny. I don't, it didn't seem like it because he kind of sh like shifted his eyes and head like, oh, why are people laughing, you know, but I don't know. Okay, I think that that comment and the, the fact that the room burst into laughter mm -hmm. with that comment yep. is very telling. I do, right. Of the temperature of the culture exactly at that time exactly like okay because they did the testing on animals because they had lesser value than a human life mm -hmm. and so that man was saying that women have a lesser value right than a man right oh don't get me started i know Catherine. i know <laughs> I'm coming out. I'm, Ron's going to get home I and was, go, what, what, what'd you do? I was thinking of certain things mm -hmm. that we've talked about, you know? Oh, right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, anywho, okay. Yeah. I, I need a drink. Oh, Betsy. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, so basically, uh, this program was shut down, and um, American women did not go up into space until 20 years later. And even then, uh, well, so in between that, Russia did put a woman up into space, and guess what? Her profession was. Wasn't she like an acrobat or something or some kind of carnival lady? Well, she did do as a sport. She did parachute something, balloon parachuting, something okay. like that. But her 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 job or career was a textile factory worker. Okay. Nothing to do with space. Okay. You know what they did? They just said, yo, over here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that sounded more Japanese than that it sounded, did Russian. It sounded, um, no, German. Okay. They just strapped her in and mm-hmm. shot her up there. That's right. And the whole time she was crapping her pants. And, That's what happened. Well, and Russia was like, hey, we beat you again. Right. Again. Now, the next time, um, well, the first time an American woman goes up, she is not, she's not piloting or anything like that. I don't even think she was a mission um, specialist. But she, she went up. I don't want to discredit her. I mean, that takes a lot of whatever, you know. Cur- not only courage and all the stuff, but all the degrees and knowledge that she had, too. Well, it takes incredible discipline. Yeah. It takes brains. You know, you yeah. have to be a scientist. You have to be in incredible shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And stamina. Oh, yeah. so many things. Right. Well, I guess I'm pointing it out because still, again, a woman wasn't able to pilot, even though they were perfectly qualified. From what I understand, even in the later 80s, the same qualifications they had in 1959 still existed in the 80s for women to become astronauts. And now we, toward the end of this documentary, we shift toward they're interviewing Eileen Collins. And Eileen Collins, she was from Elmira, New York, and she had, uh, as a child, lived near the some museum. Oh, National Soaring Museum. So she was inspired by that. And she never thought of herself as not being able to do something because she wasn't a man, but rather she was like, well, I could do that. I could fly. And she didn't tell anyone she wanted to be an astronaut because she didn't want anyone to tell her she couldn't. Yeah. So um, at some point she must have, though, because one day she's out flying and she gets back in and uh, she has a, uh, a note to call the squadron. Well, she gets back into the squadron, and, and she has a note to call um, this astronaut down at NASA. And he says, hey, first thing he says, you still want to be an astronaut? She says, yes. She, at some point, says to him, now, am I going to be a mission specialist, or am I going to be a pilot? He said, you're going to be the first American pilot. I, actually, I think she was the first ever uh, woman pilot to pilot uh, a rocket. When she was given like the speech in front of, you know, President Clinton and and Hillary and all the people, she gave credit to those 13 women. So that's how these women paved the way. And she said, I wouldn't be here today if the Mercury 13 hadn't done what they did. Then at her launch, she invited them to come to, to the launch and NASA found out, and they struck them from her list and put them on their VIP list. And so they got to go. And these women said that they uh, will never forget the applause that they got from mm. all the other astronauts that were there and the recognition, and it meant a lot to them to have that. And all those women, those 13 women, they went on to have just really phenomenal careers they they flew to into their old age they um some of them were mechanics and some of them flew for um you know commercial reasons and or whatever i can't remember all of them but 
to summarize it, they made an impact, you know, quite a bit. You know, I think there's a good lesson for us to take away from from what you just shared that their failure, in essence, they failed forward. So they, while the program was denied, you know, and they were not able to do what the dream was, what they thought was the pinnacle of their career, but they, they went forward, they moved the needle. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be devastating for people to not achieve what they feel they had in their mind that they were going to do. But we have to look at it from the perspective of, what is God doing in our lives? You know, mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. What is happening around us that we don't know about? Yeah. You know, and what impact are we having just by keeping the attitude of I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let you define who I am. I'm not going to just lay down here and take it. Yeah, right. I'm going to speak up. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear from me. I'm going to put my pearls on <laughs> and my heels. <laughs> Might put one through your head. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm proud of those women that they did that. Yeah. And I hope that others will just keep on keeping on. Yeah, I was proud of the responses that they would get in interviews back in the 60s, like uh, that Janie Cobb. Or, mm-hmm. Gosh, their names are also similar. When she was asked by a male interviewer, well, don't you want to be married? Wouldn't you rather, you know, basically was asking her to do kitchen stuff. And she said, oh, no, I want to do this just like anyone else. Then he says, well, does that mean you're afraid of men? And she says, no, I'm and she just had such dignity, you know, and she said, no, I wouldn't say that. Uh, those are the kinds of things that were being said. It just and like shows you, said, you the, the temp- stupidity of the reporter who would ask that question. Are you afraid of man? Is that why you're going up in the astronaut? In uh, yeah. Uh, no. It's just, yeah. I really loved, uh, what was the lady's name? Wally something? Yeah, Funk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved what her parents instilled in her as a young child. Yeah. They raised her with like a blank check mindset mm-hmm. you have a blank check mm-hmm. you you can write on it whatever you want you yeah. can be whatever you want to be you know yeah and she never felt limited by her gender right she did not feel like being a woman was a negative or a bad thing or held her down right like she didn't have limitations yeah right and and she equated it with freedom she did she she was fun to watch in the interview because i agree yeah she was like oh i just love the first time i went up in a plane i smelled that jet fuel and i felt the freedom she taught herself acrobatics in the air she bought herself a plane after going through all this thing with uh, well, it's not really NASA, but the testing and so forth. Bought herself a plane, taught herself how to do acrobatics in the sky, and she was something else. Yeah, I would encourage anyone who wants to be inspired to watch this documentary, Mercury 13. Just watch it. It's on Netflix. Or you can go on YouTube and watch some uh, you know, supplemental material about it. You can yeah. see her interviewed. I watched another one called, um, gosh, what was it called? Oh, In Search of History. Mercury 13, The Secret Astronauts. That's what it was called. It was a good one. Yeah. Obviously, when we bring this kind of content to the table, it can just be the beginning of a conversation that you might have with this material. 
Yeah. You know, you might just go down the rabbit trails and go, you know what? I got to find out what these women did and dig further into it. Okay. I think it's interesting. Speaking of rabbit trail. Yes. All right. So do you recall, I think her name was Lisa Newark. Do I recall Lisa Newark? The diaper astronaut. Oh, wait, that she murdered somebody? Yeah. Well, no, she didn't murder. She She attacked. Okay. So... Now this like is an exception. Kind of a love triangle this, or something. Yes, it was a love triangle, and she, I think it was in yes, it was in two thousand seven, and she was in a love triangle with a fellow astronaut, <laughs> and she was married, and he was married. Oh. Then he says to her, "I'm moving on," and she was really upset about that. And she broke into his his apartment, read all of his emails in communication with his new love. So she decided she was going to drive from, I think, Texas to Orlando. I know it's to Orlando, but it was far, like 900 miles. And so when she gets to this airport, because she knows exactly when this woman is going to be flying in because she read the emails, Mm -hmm. she asks her for um, help or a ride or something. The woman was sus. She was like, okay, she stands out. She's all covered up and cognito. I can tell something's wrong here. But she didn't really know who she was. So this astronaut, this uh, Newark, she tries to attack her. She had on her some pepper spray, a knife, and something else. And there were diapers <laughs> found in the car. Her lawyer then said, when the case went to court, well, now, those diapers were from the hurricane evacuation <laughs> in 2005. Right. This is in 2007. Okay. So women are capable, everybody. <laughs> but this, you know, people in general have their limits they say that she was super stressed by obviously (laughs) she had problems yeah all right well don't do what she did that was a rabbit trail i went down oh yeah i remember that you watch a lot of 48 hours well this wasn't even this was just while i was doing my research oh you found it while you were researching this yeah just because you like must have googled like female astronaut or something i mean well i came across the diaper astronaut or something like that i'm like What's that? that sounds familiar. I remember that. Oh, Lord, we're in big trouble. <laughs> All right, let's get to our... Do you have anything else to share on this documentary? Because I want to get to our scripture. No. No. Okay. Uh, we always close our... Well, well, first let's do our call to action, then we'll do our scripture. Yeah. Call to action. I feel like what we can take away from this... Like when I was watching these women and listening to their story I was not motivated in the slightest to become an astronaut Mm -hmm. obviously at 57 but I never would want to do that Mm -hmm. that's not something I would ever aspire to do Mm -hmm. fly a plane you don't you you barely get in a plane I know (laughs) but it's just inspiring in general right and that's the that's I think what the call to action can be for us is to figure out what you do love to do and go and do it. Yeah. What is holding you back? Right. Is it because you're a woman? Is mm-hmm. it your gender? Or or maybe is, there's a man listening and thinks, I can't become this because I'm a man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, figure out what you really love to do and start doing that. Yeah. Really good advice. I, um, you know, you mentioned the, the I think it was Wally Funk that yeah. said that her parents said you could do anything. One of the women, the one of the 13 women her parents, they just forbade her to fly, to do, you know, any of that. So she had to, she had to move and sneak behind their backs to do what she knew she could do. Mm. And in these interviews, 
she said I was just as good of a flyer as uh, Cobb and Cochran and and those other women. She was something. Yeah, I admired her too. All right. Well, that that's a good uh, note to end on. All right. So we have a little scripture here from Genesis chapter one verse twenty seven. It says, "So God created mankind." in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And basically, friends, you know, we we know from that scripture that God created human beings equally. Right. We know that he created them beautifully. Right. I mean, they are different, but equal. Right. And, and yeah. created in the image of God. And God said, it is very good. Yes, he did. It's very good. Very All right. Simple. Well, this was fun. And yeah. thanks for hanging in there with us and tuning in. And uh, we invite you back next week. Yeah. So, what are we doing next week? I don't Do know. Do we even know? I have to look it up. <laughs> I don't know. But you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. And I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. I'm still Catherine. And see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.